Can you think of anywhere else you'd rather be? I can't. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I got up this morning. I was up and down all night last night, and I, I sat down in the living room, and my daughter-in-law was so sweet to me this morning. She, she came to the bedroom door, and she says, I fixed you some coffee. <laughs> Wasn't that sweet? So I got up, and I made my way to the living room, and I sat down, and I was, my stomach was just, like, really yucky, and I was like, oh. And so I sat there, and I, I tried to take a couple of sips, and I was like, oh. And then my son cooked breakfast and brought it to me, and eggs and bacon and biscuit, and I was like, oh. Thank you. <laughs> and I was like, one bite of eggs, and I was like, I don't think I can eat it, baby, but thank you, you know. So I managed to get some of the biscuits down, and I was like, this ain't working for me, hallelujah. And so I sat there, and I sat there, and I was like, I don't know about this morning. <laughs> so he come by, and he laid his shoulder on my hand, and he prayed for me. And he went on to the bedroom to get ready, and I was like, oh, Lord. This is not going to be easy this morning. I thought, hmm. So I picked up my phone. I thought, I'm going to text Sister Lisa to pray. And then I thought, nope. And I put my phone down. And I said, I'm going to fight this battle. <laughs> so I sat there, and my little puppy dog got up in my lap and snuggled up to me. And I was just petting him, and he was loving on me. And I was like, oh, Lord, you just got to touch my body this morning, Lord. So I sat there for about 10 minutes, and then all of a sudden it started leaving. I was like, Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My son's prayer worked one more time. My prayer, his prayer, our prayer, it don't matter. God moved. Amen. Hallelujah. I was thankful for that. So I came on to the house of the Lord, and I was like, uh, well, I was, you know, the nausea had left, but I was still feeling a little weak in body and whatnot, but I'm here to tell you God has moved on the scene one more time. I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful. The enemy didn't win. Pastor walked in. He says, have you got the victory this morning? I said, I fought the devil and I won. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes the enemy will send you just enough, Brother Donald, to see if he can distract you. Just enough to see if he can overcome you for the moment. No doubt if I'd have stayed home, it wouldn't have been 10 minutes after the car rolled out of the driveway and I'd have had no way to get here. I'd have been feeling just fine. Hallelujah. And then here I'd have been sitting there beating myself up because I didn't make it to the house of God. And then I'd have missed out on whatever it is that's coming. <laughs> Hallelujah, because I know God's got something this morning. He's never let us down, not one time that we have assembled ourselves together has God failed to show up and provide His people with a good word, a good daily bread, hallelujah, to feed us, to prepare us for what we need. Amen. Never failed, Josh. Never failed. No, I mean, it is. It's Justin. I started to say, no, that's Justin. Okay, i got to get my J's straight. <laughs> Hallelujah, huh? Might be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know there was uh, a certain 
uh, members of our congregation that aren't here and haven't been here in a few weeks, God really had on my heart this morning during prayer. Hallelujah. And I began to reach out for him from my spirit and I began to pray against that deception. Hallelujah. And that hindrance that's trying to separate our body. We're a small body, but I tell you what, we're powerful. Otherwise, the enemy wouldn't be trying to rip us apart so early. Hallelujah. So early in our uh, coming together, in our forming. Amen. He's already trying to tear us apart and destroy, but he cannot. He cannot. He has no authority. He has no power except what we allow him to have. And I refused for my part to give in to him. Amen. I'm going to stand up against him. Hallelujah. With the authority God's given me. Will you join me? Hallelujah. Let's stand up and fight for what's ours. God put us here for a reason. Amen. He put us here for a reason. We've got a purpose. He's got a plan. Hallelujah. And either we're in or we're not. There's no halfways with God. No halfways. We're either in or we're not. Amen. Are you in this morning? Hallelujah. Let's stand up this morning. Let's give God some glory and some honor this morning. Hallelujah. Let's show Him that we're here to worship His name this morning. Lord, we love You this morning, Jesus. Oh, we're thankful this morning, Lord, that we could get up with breath in our body, God, and put our clothes on, God, and come to Your house to assemble ourselves together, God. Oh, hallelujah to come God and worship you God with one faith God Lord with one mouth God to honor and glorify hallelujah our Lord and our Savior this morning we give you praise God we give you honor we give you glory this morning we thank you Jesus that you made it possible Lord you made it possible this morning God that we could be here together God to honor you Lord that we could submit ourselves to the working of your spirit today, God. Lord, that we could submit ourselves, God, to the teaching of your word, God, that we could submit ourselves, Lord, to your spirit to change us, to mold us, to shape us and make us, God. Lord, we give ourselves to you, God. Hallelujah and humility of spirit, Lord. God, we ask you to change us today, God. Help us, Lord. Help us, God, to be vessels, God. Committed, God, to your, your purpose and your plan, God. Oh, my God, Lord, that we would not pull against you, God, but that we would work with you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I feel that wooing in your spirit, God. Help us this day, God, to be mindful of your spirit, to be submitted to your leadership, Lord. Hallelujah. Give us direction in this service, Lord. God, that your will would be done, God, not just in one or two, God. God, but everybody that's here, God, in this service, you brought them for a purpose, God. Lord, you brought them for a purpose, God. Let each one, God, receive that that you have for them. Do what you have purposed, God, for each one. And we give you praise and we give you honor and glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Have that own way, God. Have that own way. Have that own way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We yield before you, Lord. 
Oh, we yield before you, Jesus. Have that own way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you, God. Hallelujah. I'm mindful. Hallelujah. One more time of the potter's wheel this morning. Hallelujah. I'm so mindful. And how much we learned, Sister Lisa, through that uh, ladies' retreat when we talked about the potter's wheel and we, we took that class. And Sister Lisa and I, uh, we were planning this ladies' retreat and we went. You can be seated if you like. We went and we uh, took a crash course in pottery. <laughs> And she and I, uh, it was like a boot camp almost, and we made a, a bowl in this pottery class. And it was so interesting that um, so much that we learned about being a potter, actually, um, and how to know the right force to, to manipulate the clay with on the wheel and how that... The potter had to be the master of the clay. You couldn't allow the clay to rule the potter, but the potter had to rule the clay. It was the only way to get a useful um, piece from the clay. And um, if you didn't do it just right and, and the piece was not formed correctly, then you had to mash it all in and rework it and slam it back on the wheel and you actually had to slam that clay down on the wheel and if clay has a feeling then I'm sure it didn't feel too good to get slammed down on that wheel and to rework it and pinch it just right and pull it up just right and work it and work it and work it and by the end of class we each had a bowl but what was so amazing to the both of us at the end of the class, we weren't supposed to get to keep our bowl. It, it was just a, a crash course to learn how to form something. And the different responses we had, Sister Lisa, who is not a nurse but has a very clinical, logical type mind, she's like, okay, I came, I learned what I was supposed to learn, I'm ready to go. And she was good with leaving her bowl behind. And myself, who is a nurse, um became very much attached <laughs> to my little bowl. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I had separation anxiety because they were asking me to leave my creation behind. <laughs> and I did not want to leave my little bowl <laughs> at the shop knowing that she was going to mash it all up and put it in the reclaiming clay and I would never see my bowl again. It was very... Shocking and detrimental to me. <laughs> and we talked about that for quite a while, Sister Lisa and I, about our different responses and how our father, as our potter, master potter, must feel about his creation. And I'm not sure that we ever came to a solid conclusion. But it occurs to me today that perhaps there are some pieces that he's good giving them their independence. Because he, 
He knows that the work is done. And then that maybe there are other pieces where he's not quite ready to put them out there on their own yet because perhaps they need a little more supervision and, and a little more working and a little more fine-tuning and, and we're all unique and we're all his creation and he knows us personally. It's personal with God. And I don't know what your needs are today. Truth be told, Brother Donald, I probably don't even know what my needs are today. But I know a very personal God. I know a very personal potter who is here today to meet some very personal needs. Hallelujah. And he came to meet us here today because we were faithful to come. He has surely been faithful to meet us here. To meet your need, Sister Pat, to meet your need, Brother, is it Keith? Kevin, I got my K's and my J's and they're all mixed up. Y'all forgive me, bless the Lord, it'll be all right. But he's here. And he knows whether it's Kevin or Keith. (laughs) Oh my, I feel a deep. A deepness, it's personal for God this morning. It's personal. And he's here even for you, little little man. He's here for you this morning. (laughs) Because he knew you when you were formed in your mama's belly. And he knew all about the kids at school. He knew all about your disappointments in life. He knew about the fun things and your hopes and your dreams. He knows all about it. And he knows about where you're going Later in life, he knows you personally and intimately. And he has such a love for you. Oh, he loves you greater than anything you can even imagine. He does. It's personal with God today. He loves you. He's got a purpose and a plan for you unlike anything you can even imagine right now. It's personal with God. He loves you. He's here for you today. Just like he's here for dad. It's personal. Hallelujah. It's personal. Melissa. He knows all of those hurts. And he hung on that cross and he stood at that whipping post. And he knew all those years ago. He knew about Melissa Lee Jenkins Conrad. He knew every hurt. He knew what people would do, what they would say, how they would disappoint. He knew. And he said, this one's for Melissa. This one's for Melissa. I'll take it. I'll pay for it. I'll cover it for Melissa. It's personal. It's personal. He knew Susie. He knew there'd be a day they would say to you, cancer, and you'd say, but God, I've done it all. I've done it right. I've been healthy. God, I don't understand this. Nevertheless, Lord, nevertheless, if you've appointed this to me, then I'll go through God. He knew it was personal for Susie. 
Sister Deborah, he knew. He knew about the boy she would bear and the love and the heartache of a mother. He knew. He knew about the grandchildren and all the frustrations in the little bitty trailer. He knew. It was personal. It was personal. He did it for you. He knew. Sister Lisa, he knew. He knew about the house burning down. He knew ahead of time that your kids would lose everything and how it would break your heart and torment you. He knew about your husband almost dying even though he gave his entire life to the ministry. He knew how you would have to walk through illness with your parents and the things you would fear and you would fight and how you would struggle. He knew. It was personal. He did it for you to give you strength and give you a way to fight back and win. He knew. Nothing has escaped him. He knew every detail, Sister Pat. He knew. He knew your mama would build this place. He knew you would have to oversee it. He knew you wouldn't know sometimes what to do, who to say yes to, who to say no to, how you would struggle, your husband having surgery. He knew. It was personal. <laughs> he knew all along. He knew every detail because he's a detail-oriented God. He knows every struggle. Chris, he knows every struggle. Before it even happened, he knew. And like Pastor taught us last, was it last week, week before last all the time? <laughs> he knew, and he could have chosen not to. He knew ahead of time. He knew who would reject him. He knew who would serve him. He knew, and he chose to Anyway, it's personal. Where do we get off thinking it's not personal? Man thinks it's not personal. He's a God up there somewhere, somewhere, way up there, far, far away. And it's coincidence if he happens to do something for me or if I happen to be blessed. It's, it's a coincidence if he happens to remember me. Well, no. <laughs> I beg to differ with you. It's personal. And he intended to. He meant to. It was on purpose. So will you make a choice on purpose? To be in his house. To forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. To bow your knee in prayer daily. To read your word and get to know him. Will you make a choice on purpose to do these things? I don't know. I had nothing when I came up here. But I can tell you I feel that wooing way down in my spirit. From a God who loved us unconditionally, who still loves us unconditionally, who gave everything that he had unconditionally for us. This is not a call to salvation. This is a call to relationship. Hallelujah. It is a call to relationship. Personal and deep. Hallelujah. One on one. On purpose. Hallelujah. 
because he desires us. Because he wants something deep and lasting, hallelujah. Strong, hallelujah. That will stand. That will work. That will accomplish things. Hallelujah. Because he loves us. It's personal. I don't know. Somebody may be hurting this morning. I don't know. (laughs) His love never fails. Sometimes we think it's failed because of our disappointment. But that's on us. It's because we've misconceived the situation think back when you were a child (laughs) and you were so disappointed because your parents didn't get you the thing that you thought you wanted so badly or perhaps they denied you going somewhere you wanted to go and you were so disappointed and you thought that meant they didn't love you but that wasn't it at all It's because they knew what was best for you. I can remember I was supposed to go to Haiti again. I was supposed to fly out the day before the big earthquake hit. I would have been there the day of the earthquake. In an orphanage that was completely destroyed. I would have been there. Had the plans gone according to plan, I would have been there. But a God who loves me saw ahead and changed the plan. He does that. He orders our steps because he loves us. And he knows things that we don't know. Thank God. (laughs) He sees things, Justin, that we don't see. Thank God. And he manipulates circumstances for our good. Thank God. And that's where trust and faith come in. We have to trust him. Sister Pat, we have to trust him. We have to believe that even when we don't like it, it's still him working it for our good. It's not only when we like it that that's going on. It's even when we don't like it. For we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, the called according to his purpose. All things. The good, the bad, the ugly, the stinky, the smell good, (laughs) all of it, hallelujah, the painful, the not so painful, the happy, the sad, it all works together for your good if you love God and are called according to his purpose. That's me. How about you? I love him and I know he's called me for his purpose. I may not always understand the purpose, but I trust him. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen this morning with a tentative ear. Purpose in your heart. That your mind and your heart is focused on the word. I don't know, but I believe God's got something this morning for this body. 
for each and every one that's here. He brought you here for a purpose and a reason. And I don't understand fully what I'm feeling in my spirit except that it's personal. It's personal this morning for every one of you and for me. God loves us this morning. And he chose us by name for a purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you make your pastor welcome this morning? Thank you, Lord. I don't know about y'all. I'm glad to be back. I really am. I enjoyed the revival. And I, I really had to weigh it out whether to close or not. But the Lord put it in my spirit that what he wanted to accomplish in the meeting had been accomplished. And that gave me a peace. Didn't mean I didn't have a sadness. Because come Monday, I told my wife, I said, man... I said, I'm ready to be in church. I'm ready to be in church again. You know, David said, at the end of the 23rd Psalm, David said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That meant he wanted to stay in God's presence. And I got to thinking this week, and I asked my wife, and I hadn't said anything to anybody else, I wonder what the church at Antioch was like. Because in Acts 13, it starts talking about the prophets, the teachers, the men of God that was there. I don't believe they just had service once or twice a week. I said it wouldn't surprise me if there wasn't a bunch of different rooms in that church and something going on all the time. I believe that's where God's people are coming to. That something's going to be going on in the house of God almost every day of the week. And... We're going to look forward to getting in the house of God as often as we can. We're going to look forward to it. Because the more I hear about this world, the more I have to deal with this world, the more disheartened I get. I want to be in the presence of God. Amen. I want to be in the presence of God. I don't care one thing about stuff that's out there in the world. I've been there when I was a teenager. I gave my heart to God at 19. And fixing to hit 44 years of serving God. And I've never looked back. Never missed one thing. Because I grew up in the, what we call the drug generation in the 60s. I grew up in the marijuana, the LSD, the, the acid trips. And I never touched them, didn't want to. I've never been drunk on beer, wine, whiskey. Never been high on nothing, never smoked. That don't make me any better than anybody else. There was just something in my heart. From the time I was about seven or year, eight years old, I wanted to preach the gospel. I wanted to help people. I wanted to be, because I used to uh, come in from Sunday service. My dad was a pastor. And I'd come home, change clothes, and Mama started fixing Sunday dinner. And I'd go out to play, and I'd holler back or tell Mama, when Brother Oral Roberts comes on, you call me, because he was on TV every Sunday. I don't know if y'all remember that or not. And I would quit whatever I was doing, middle of a ball game or whatever. I would quit, and I would go sit in front of that TV at seven, eight years old. And I'd watch Brother Old Roberts preach and then pray for the sick, and God worked in miracles. And when he'd say, put your hand on the TV, my hand was up on his hand. How many of y'all remember that? Anybody remember that? He used to say, if you need God to touch your life or you need a miracle, I'm going to put my hand. He'd put his hand up and he'd say, you come put your hand on my hand. God's going to move for you. 
There was something about that man that impacted my life. There was something about being raised in a church where we had miracles and deliverance. It impacted my life. And that's all I wanted to be. Didn't want to be an astronaut. Didn't want to be a ball player. Didn't want to be any kind of politician. I wanted to be a preacher that could make a difference with a miracle deliverance power in his life. That's all I cared about. That's all I cared about. And that's what I've worked for all my life from the time I was seven years old. So from 50, for 56 years, for 56 years, that's been my desire was to serve God and to walk upright before Him and become a vessel that God can live in. I don't want God just in my heart. I want Him to be made manifest in my mortal flesh. Amen. I want Him to take control of this vessel. And I want all my days to be lived like the apostles and like Jesus. No matter where they went, something happened. There was an act of God. There was a miracle. There was deliverance. There was salvation. There was healing. No matter where they went, what they done, any time of the day or night, wherever they were. I mean, my God, man, when you can be locked up in a prison cell, had the hide beat off your back, be shouting and praising and glorifying God and singing praises to Him, and God sends an earthquake, and the jailer comes in, all the jail doors open, he takes out a sword to kill himself because he knows he's responsible, and he's going to get killed anyway. If they come find all the prisoners gone, and Paul said, don't, touch, don't, don't harm yourself. Everybody's here. And at midnight, he preached Christ to them. At midnight, he preached Christ to them. The man said, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe thou in all thy house on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And that night, he took him and baptized him, and the man brought him back, nursed the wounds, and fixed them something to eat. At midnight. At midnight. Hallelujah. <laughs> we need to get where it don't matter what we want. It's what God wants. It's what God wants. I told my wife about 8.30 last night. I said, I'm fixing to go to bed. I said, I'm just tired. And she said, well, go on. So about, I guess it's probably 9.30, 10 o'clock. I finally got everything done and got in bed. 1.30 this morning, the Lord woke me up. Started talking to me and I was in the office studying and praying. Hallelujah. Don't you love the Lord? See, our times need to be His times. We don't need to be telling God, well, I can get with you. Let me check my calendar here, Lord. I can get with you at 7.30 tomorrow night. See, when that stir comes at 1.30 or 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning, we feel the Spirit of God stirring us to get up and go to prayer or, or God wanting to talk to us. We just... We just kind of pull that cover up a little tighter and roll over and hug that pillow a little better and, and, and I love you, Jesus. And then we'll head back off to sleep. <laughs> it's time to let the Lord take control of our lives. Amen. I want you to go to prayer with me. God's really stirred my heart early. I mean, 1.30 this morning, God began to speak to me and really stirred up my spirit. I've been telling my wife all week, I said, I'm tired of religion tired of doctrines. I'm tired of formal church. I said, I want to see the book of Acts. I want to see that God in that book of Acts. I want to see him step down and start revealing himself. I don't care if it's coming in the church door. And somebody set somebody lame out there like they did 
that lame man with Peter and John at the gate beautiful in Acts the third chapter. I want to see God raise him up. I'm ready to see a God of deliverance. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, holy God of the heavens. Let's such a stirring of your spirit set down in this place today that every heart will be set afire. Lord, you said they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Let there be a hunger and a thirst after thy righteousness, O God. Take hold of our hearts. God, let them cry for deliverance for this generation. Let it take hold of the hearts and minds of your people. And Lord, help us to take the limits off of you. Help us not to limit the working of your spirit, God. It's nothing we can do. It has to be you in us and through us, God, that works the miracles, that heals, that delivers, that sets the captive free. Lord, let us reach that place that we know and understand, God, it's nothing of ourselves, but it is by making ourselves available that you move, God, and live and flow and work through us. God, as Paul preached, I believe it was in Athens, it is in you and through you that we live and move and have our very being, our very existence needs to be wrapped up in you today. Help us, Lord. Give us the strength. Give us the discipline. Give us the spirit and the mind to walk upright before you and do that which is right in your sight. And be a vessel you can use. That your name Jesus can be honored and glorified. In Jesus' holy name. We ask it to be so, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, I feel the Lord today. Anybody feel Jesus today? Man, I just feel the closeness of the Spirit of God. And I'm looking for God to work something in my spirit. And in your spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, I got up, I said about 1.30 and went to the restroom, got me a glass of water, and I fully intended to go lay back down. <laughs> but I guess God had different plans because he started stirring my spirit. But the Lord spoke something in my spirit this morning. It's probably what I'm going to deal with. Or talk about what the Lord spoke in my spirit was Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I just stopped. Because I know when God's talking to me. He didn't talk audible to me this time, but he, he spoke in my spirit. He said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Colossians 1.27 in Scripture. It's Colossians, the first chapter and 27th verse. Talks about the mystery of God, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. But when you read that, or you hear what I'm saying, what does it mean to you? What does Christ in you, the hope of glory, mean to you? Have you ever thought about it? Justin, if I ask you, 
What does Christ in you, the hope of glory, how do you interpret that? What would you say? Anybody, what would you say? Sister Susie, what would, what would that mean if I just asked you? Sister Susie, what does that scripture mean? Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you just stop and think about it for a minute. But what's that hope of glory? Exactly. But you know what most people think? I'm going to get the Holy Ghost and I'm going to go to heaven. I hear people quote this scripture all the time. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But they think they receive a measure of the Spirit of Christ and then they're going to go to glory. No. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the Christ being revealed in you, living in here, coming and taking up His abode that you become a partaker of the divine nature. And that you begin to take on His nature, His characteristics, His attributes. And your hope is that the glory of God will be revealed in you for His glory and His name to be magnified. But that ain't what the church is teaching or what it's pressing for. It's just trying to get people to heaven. I'm not trying to get you to heaven. I'm trying to get you to possess the kingdom of heaven. That's the very Christ. I didn't say Jesus. Y'all gonna find out if y'all listen to me long enough there's a big difference between Jesus and the Christ. Jesus is the man before the resurrection. The Christ is the man and the God mixed after the resurrection. So I just don't want Jesus living here. Everybody say, invite Jesus into your heart. That's a good first step. But that ain't where I want to stay. I want the Christ. I want the man and the God mixed to take control of my life. Because I refuse to be powerless. I refuse to preach a gospel without power, without deliverance. I refuse to preach a, a gospel of hope to people and then I'm leaving bound. I refuse. I refuse. I won't do it. I won't do it. And some of y'all was here last Sunday. The man that drove all the way from Tupelo, Mississippi. That man that was here drove all the way from Tupelo, Mississippi to be in service. One service. Because he'd watched the whole revival online. And he got talking to me after church. He said, I got a church in Mississippi. I said, really? He said, no, I'm not a preacher. He said, I own a church. He said, I'm a contractor. I bought it, remodeled it, it had burnt. And I bought it and remodeled it. Had the deal on the table to sell it to two men for a funeral home. Was putting the deal together, fixing to sign the papers to get the money. And God said, that's my church, don't you sell it. He said, so I didn't sell it. He said, I'm in a financial bind over it right now. He said, but God told me don't sell it. He said, Brother Meadow, will you come preach a revival? I said, I'll pray about it. He said, I wouldn't expect you to sit anything else. Because <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Did any of y'all go back and listen to that prophecy last week, last Saturday night? My wife printed it out. I, I probably read it. Four or five times this week. She's read it. I don't know how many times. God said, you be still. 
Don't you do nothing. Let's not order your steps. Man, that, that thing was so strong. And God spoke what He's working in us. There is something happening in people that are hungry for God. I'm hungry this morning. I'm hungry. You hear me? I'm hungry. And I'm going to start in Hebrews 6. And I'm going to try to put this together. Because this is going to take up, if I can get there really where I tried to go last Sunday, but the Lord wouldn't let me go there. I'm ready for a baptism. I'm ready for a baptism. I'm not talking about in water. That's all good. I told Sister Deborah this morning, I said, I ain't in 44 years seen the Spirit of God fall on nobody like it fell on you in that creek last week. And I never have. I mean, time her head come up by that water, man, the Spirit of God hit her. And we couldn't get her on her feet. Those of y'all that was there, we could not get her on her feet. And I thought at first, because the water might have been a little cold, I thought she panicked and, you know, was struggling, but we couldn't get her on her feet. Finally got her up on her feet. My wife got out there and got a hold of her and she put her face in the water. Then got her face out of the water and her feet went back out from under her. Power of God shaking her and her flipping and flopping out there. My wife said if we'd have turned her loose, we'd have lost her. But see, it's real. And I told her just before I baptized her. I said, Sister Deborah, something fixing to hit you you ain't never had. And it did. It fell on her. But it done something in you, didn't it? And that's what God's looking for, just willing vessels. Let me tell you something. Somebody bound by the devil, somebody bound on alcohol or drugs or in depression, they don't care whether you're six foot four or five foot two. They don't care whether you're big, fat, freckle-faced, red-headed, snaggletooth, bow-legged, buck. They don't care. All they care about is the deliverance that God's putting in you. That's all they care about. They don't care about nothing else. Don't care about what you look like. Lord told me years ago, you come in a dark room. I, he said, what's the first thing you do? I said, start going up and down that wall for a light switch. Turn that light on. He said, do you care what that wire in that wall looks like that takes that electricity to that light? I said, not one bit, as long as the light comes on. Don't care what it looks like. He said, you come in on a hot day, go to that faucet and turn that faucet on. He said, all you want is a cool drink of water. I said, that's right. He said, you care what that pipe in that wall looks like? Brings that wall. I said, not one bit, as long as it gets that water there and I can get a cool drink. He said, nobody cares. He said, what you look like? He said, you're a conduit, you're a water pipe, you're just a vessel that I flow through to bring deliverance. He said, that's all you are. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. As long as you got deliverance working in your life. Nobody cares what you look like. All they care about, you speak that word or you slap them hands on them or the Spirit of God flows out of you and speaks to them and them shackles come off. Them yokes are destroyed. Them chains come loose. Hallelujah. And a word of life goes down inside of them and brings something inside of them that excites them. Where they were bound and depressed and discouraged. My God, where they had to have a drug or a pill or something to lean on. They've been set free because the word of truth has spoken out of you. And God has set them free. That's what they're looking for. You shall know the truth. And the truth uh, shall make you free. Uh, and who the Son has made free uh, is free indeed. Yeah. 
Free indeed. But where's the vessel that will give herself to prayer and study? You start talking about most Christians about the Word. They don't know you're talking about the Word. Don't even know. Most people can, record, uh, can quote a scripture, shortest scripture in the Bible. Jesus wept. <laughs> you get talking to people about the Word, they don't know you're talking about the Word. Because there's no heart to study. There's no desire to seek. i got a heart to seek God. I love that Word. It's life to me. Hallelujah. Man, I love the Lord today. I feel such a burden for souls, such an awakening, such a moving. Hallelujah. Says Susie, quit worrying about all them people that you've labored for all these years. Because most of them ain't going to come in, but some of them will. But God's fixing to get new people. God's fixing to reach out there in them highways and hedges. He, Jesus told them, he said, the harlots and publicans will go into the kingdom of God before the children of God. God's fixing to reach because he's labored with people for years and years and years. They've had an experience with God. They've settled down in religion, and you can't move them with dynamite. There's a lot of people, Sister Pat, that you know you grew up with, you went to church with. You ain't, ain't going to get them in this kingdom. They're settled down in, in religion. They're settled down uh, in what they've been taught. They're settled down uh, in the doctrines of men. Uh, but let me tell you, the Spirit of God uh, is fixing to baptize us. Uh, I'm telling y'all, there is a baptism uh, into his death. Uh, there is a baptism uh, that's going to bring the very death uh, of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, is going to become prevalent in us. Uh, and the power of his resurrection uh, is going to flow out of us. Uh, and you're going to walk right out there like you did uh, to that woman that they drug uh, to the foot of Jesus and getting ready to stone her. Uh, hallelujah. And Jesus just stood down, uh, stooped down and wrote on the ground. Uh, and he stood back up uh, and he said, let he that is without sin uh, cast the first stone. Uh, and he stooped back down and wrote on the ground again. Uh, and when he stood up, all the accusers was gone. Uh, he said, woman, where are thine accusers? Uh, she said, Lord, I have none. Uh, he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go thy way and sin no more. Hallelujah. The harlots and the publicans, they're coming in. They're coming in. They're coming in. They're coming in. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. You'll catch men. We'll have to get up in that tree stand and shoot a deer. That's all right. I love a good deer roast every now and then. But he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Hallelujah. And what they do, the Bible said, they forsook everything. You want this? You're fixing to forsake some things. You're fixing to forsake some things. Hallelujah. Because Lord fixing to take us somewhere we ain't never been. I keep telling folks we're going somewhere we ain't never been. We're going somewhere we ain't never been. We ain't never passed this way before. The Spirit of God has taken us into a place that your eye hath not seen, your ear hath not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man. And the Spirit of God's going to reveal us to unto us the deep things. Because it is a spirit that searches the heart of man and reveals the deep things. There's deep things of God's fixing to come to us. Hallelujah. There's a knowledge and a power over sin. 
It's going to come with this baptism. It's going to come with this baptism. Hallelujah. I can't start there. I'm going to have to start Romans 6. <laughs> That's all right. It'll all come together. Thank you, Lord. I'm excited about Jesus. I'm excited about Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Brother Elder, you ain't just going to climb down out of that truck and talk to somebody about Jesus. The anointing of deliverance fixing to be there. God going to set them totally free. You ain't just going to talk to them about Jesus. You're going to lay hands on them and pray with them. God going to set them totally free. Hallelujah. Don't do no good talk to anybody about Jesus if the deliverance ain't there. What's the purpose? What's the point? What's the point? Everywhere Jesus went, everywhere the apostles went, they just didn't witness about the Lord Jesus. The Bible said in Acts 4.33, with great power, with great power, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus with great power. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, he said, I didn't come to y'all with enticing words of men's wisdom. I, I didn't come to you with the excellency of speech, but I came to you in the demonstration of the power of God, the power of the Holy Ghost that your faith might not stand in the wisdom of men but it might stand in the power of God there's a power being revealed I'm telling you there's a baptism of the Holy Ghost hallelujah no generation's ever had it we didn't get something nobody's had say brother Matter, you sure take my word on it ain't nobody ever had this the early church had a measure but Paul said, we've got an earnest. We've got a measure. That's all the early church got. We think we can get the whole thing. We think we can get the whole thing. It ain't going to be a crumb. It ain't going to be a slice. It's going to be the whole loaf. Hallelujah. It's going to be the whole thing. It's going to be that fullness of Christ. It's going to be Christ in you, which gives you the hope of glory which gives you the hope that the glory of God will be revealed and manifest in your life. Hallelujah. But Paul wrote in Romans 8, Hallelujah, and he said, Hope that is seen is not hope. He said, For if a man sees something, why does he yet hope for it? If you see how you can get your hands on something, then you don't hope for it. Every day I hope for this kingdom. Every day I press for this kingdom. Every day I knock, I press, I push, I fight. Because I see a kingdom of heaven. My God, that for 2,000 years has suffered violence. And it's suffering violence again. People are giving their lives. They're being burnt. They're being maimed. They're having their heads cut off. The kingdom of heaven is suffering violence again. And it's time for the violence to take it by force. That that reign that rules heaven. That authority and dominion. Father, let thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. As you rule heaven. As everything in heaven bows at your feet, uh, comes under subjection uh, to your word, now let it be in earth. Let it be in here. Let it be in here. Let it be in here. My God, I believe something changed in me last week. I believe something got a hold of my spirit. Something happened in my soul. Hallelujah. I don't want to sin. I don't want to be ungodly. I don't want to be unholy. I want to be a vessel. Washed and made ready. That he's going to come up and he's going to knock.
He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He ain't talking about salvation. The church world's made that about salvation. He said, No, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open unto me, he said, Me and my Father will come in. We will sup. We will have communion. And we will make our abode. In other words, we're going to move in and live there. We will come in and make our abode. Let me tell you something. Jesus is at the door knocking. Jesus is at the door knocking. Somebody better open the door. I hate religion. I despise it. Everything in that word that will take God's people into power, they've translated it as something different. They made it salvation. And when Jesus talked about over in John 3, about being born again, they made it salvation. Ain't nothing in them scriptures about salvation. It's about the kingdom. It's about understanding and possessing the kingdom. Salvation, salvation. That's good. We need salvation. It's the first step. We need repentance. We need to be able to pray and get forgiveness and ask the Holy Ghost to come into our hearts and lives. That's step number one. But you don't get made like Christ in that step. Being made like Christ is a process. It's a process. When that woman conceives that seed, that baby ain't born. There's a long process of pain, vexation, aggravation, some bad days. There's some good days in there, but a lot of them are bad days. Days they can't eat, they can't sleep, they can't rest. They don't feel like doing nothing. And then you get up on around seven, eight months, but they're ready to get this thing over with. <laughs> they just reach that place, ready to get it over with. I'm in that place, I'm ready to get this thing over with. I want the Christ. But you see what I'm saying? As long as that baby grows in there and stays in that womb, there is no birth. But it's growing. Man, there's something growing in us. But I'm telling you, it's fixing to be birthed. I'm telling you, this Christ fixing to be birthed. He's fixing to come forth. And when he does, let me tell you something. That baby comes down that birth canal and that head crowns. It ain't no long time thing. It may take a while for a woman to go into transition. It may take a while for that baby to come down that birth canal. But when that baby starts out, it don't stop. You hear me? It happens. And the Lord said in Malachi 3 and 1 that the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple behold my send my messenger and he shall prepare the way God's trying to get you prepared for the Lord whom ye seek to suddenly come to his temple this is his temple know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost ye are the temple of the living God but doth he dwell in you my God if he's in here let him loose quit holding him to the back room quit holding him to the guest room the spare bedroom let him him loose, let him live, let him work let him act, let him think let him talk, my God let this Christ go let him take control for the Lord whom ye seek he said he shall suddenly come to this right here anybody know what Acts 2 says Acts 2 and 1 and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were what? Just say this in an upper room. In one accord. Not one mind, one accord. 
They were in one place, one accord. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Captain suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Any y'all ever been out around a big fire? I mean, been up close to it and hear it burn. It's got a roar to it. <laughs> that Holy Ghost fire roared in there. But it happened suddenly. It happened suddenly. And from that day forward, their lives were changed. We need something to change our lives. We need something to change our lives. We need something to change our lives. I ain't saying something ain't happened to us. I know something happened to me and something's happened to me all through the years. When I'd seek God and set my heart, God would always do something to me. But there's still something missing. I'm fixing to get what's missing. God fixing to put that last piece of the puzzle in place. Hey man, he fixing to put that last piece of the puzzle in place. Hallelujah. Now I want to go back to Hebrews 6, but I'll start right here at Romans 6. Verse 1. I hope y'all are there with me. And this is Paul asking a question. He said, What? Shall we say then, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? When do you die to sin? Paul saw something in God that people were dead to sin. And he said, if we're dead to sin, how are we going to keep sinning? Or why do we keep sinning? If we be dead to sin, then why do we keep sinning? If we be dead to sin, why does that sin nature still stay here? Why do we still have to fight it? Jesus had to fight it. Till he got victory over it. Yeah, he did. He was a man. He had to war against that old carnality. He had to war against the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. He said he did. John 16, 33, he said, In the world you're going to have tribulation, but in me you have peace. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 1 John 2 said, All that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's what Jesus overcame. He overcame the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And he said, if the lust of the world's in you, the love of God is not. This is where this warfare comes in. We've got to just enough to make us hungry for God, but we don't have enough to overcome the lust of this flesh, and the lust of the eye, and that... That's where you pulled. You might know what I'm talking about. The flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Why? They're contrary. They're enemies. Your flesh and your spirit, if you try and serve God all the time, button heads. Spirit says, go on a three day fast. Flesh says, go on a three day feast. <laughs> spirit says, pray all night. Flesh says, watch TV all night. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And God, the, the Spirit of Christ, that's the measure that's in us, is always trying to pull us to the place we can get more. But there's always that lust of the flesh. 
That's why Paul said in Romans 8, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I'm going to live in peace. I'm going to fight my battles for a while. But I'm fixing to reach that place. I ain't going to fight these battles. Let me show you what... Stay with me. I may not get out of this sixth chapter of Romans today, but I'll be back. Because <laughs> God has a people that's going to serve Him. I was reading Numbers the other night, and I come across a scripture, and I thought that's what I was going to preach on the one thirty this morning. And He spoke about Joshua. And Joshua, in, in, in Numbers, it says, And Joshua holy followed the Lord. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Completely, without resistance, without any holdback, Joshua holy. I mean, Caleb holy followed the Lord. They completely followed God's will. And the Lord started dealing with me. Where do you find people that's going to wholly follow me? Where do you find people that's going to totally submit to my word and my will and the working of my spirit? The Spirit of God moves on you at 2.30 this morning, Brother Elder. You're going to roll over in that bed and you're going to tell God, Look, I've got to get up before 4.30. I ain't, ain't going to get up and pray. My body will be so tired. Now if you get up and pray, God might put you on a Holy Ghost high. And you'll zoom through the day. You might come to sleep eight hours or nine hours that night. But I'm going to tell you something. Every time God wakes me up and fires me up, puts something in my spirit, there, there's been times at 3, and it was probably 2.30, 3 o'clock before I laid back down for a little till 5.30 this morning. My alarm went off. But there's been times I've gotten up 3 and 3.30 on Sunday morning knowing we had to... Get ready and leave by 7 to drive up here. Spirit of God's got on me and I've got to study and pray. Just stayed up. Just stayed up and went all day to 8 or 9 o'clock that night. Because God keeps telling me, your times are in my hands. If you're going to be a vessel that's going to give yourself continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word, then you've got to put your time in my hands. You've got to trust me to do what's right and to take you where I need to take you, not make an excuse why you won't pray or read your Bible or not make an excuse why you won't yield yourself to the working of my Spirit thinking you know better. Now God, you know that I can't do that. Because if I get up right now and pray an hour or two, time I lay back down, it might be... 3.45 or 4 and i got to get up in 30 minutes and I won't have got but 4 or 5 hours sleep. But I'm going to tell you something. When you resist the working of the Spirit of God like that, most time you lay there for the next hour and a half and beat the pillow up and the covers up and kick them off on the floor. Anybody done it? People text me and post and email me all the time. Well, I was awake at 1.30 this morning didn't go back to bed about 4 and I had to get up at 6. You know what I tell them? Sound like a good time to pray. Sound like a good time to pray. Now they'll get up and go get them something to eat, something to drink, sit in front of the TV, turn the all-night news on, flip to this, flip to that, flip to something else, instead of going and getting on their knees and that dedication, that consecration, and seeking God. 
This is what Paul was talking about. We need something that's going to put the body of sin to death. We need something that's going to destroy this carnal mind. And for the last two and a half to three years, God's been speaking to us in Alabama. I'm bringing in a working of my spirit that's going to destroy the carnal man. I'm going to destroy the carnal mind. I'm going to put him to death. I, and I see the carnal man having less and less hold on me. I, I see this world having less and less hold on me. I, and as long as your flesh and blood and as long as your carnal mind exists, I, the world's going to pull on you. I, but somewhere we're going to reach that place that baptism's coming in. I, that this world, I, the prince of this world has found nothing in me. I, my God, I'm fixing to get clean escaped I, from this world. I, I'm like that little caterpillar down there. I, I'm just a chugging along. I, inch at a time, just a chugging and a chugging and a chugging I, and a chugging. I, and I'm going to crawl up that tree. I, it might take me a long time to get there. I, and I might spin that cocoon. I, and it may take me a long time to do it. I, and I may get in them battles and them struggles. I, do you know to come out of that cocoon? I, that caterpillar fights and he fights hard. I, sometimes they die in the cocoon. I, but my God, if they ever break out of that cocoon, I, they ain't earthbound no more. I, hallelujah. I, I'm tired of being earthbound. I, I'm tired of being sin bound. I, I'm tired of being carnally minded bound I, to this soul world. I hate this world. I, I despise this world. I, I despise if I can't live my life for God. I, I hate my life. I hate it. That's what Jesus said. Any man hateth not his life in this world. If you don't hate this life, you ain't never going to find life. But if you love this life, you ain't going to find it. But if you hate this life, you're going to find true life. But if you love your life in this world, you ain't never going to find true life. Because true life don't come from pleasures of the flesh. It don't come from riches. It don't come from possessions. It don't come from things. It don't come from people. Things don't make you happy. Getting a big name for yourself don't make you happy. I got people that got saved under my ministry years ago. They loved me and I loved them. They'd go out tomorrow and spend 50, 60, 70, 80, 100,000 dollars on anything their flesh wanted. But they have no peace. They have no peace. They don't have no peace. They don't they go to church, they love God. But they don't have no peace. Give me peace. Give me joy. Hallelujah. I said, give me peace. Give me joy. I was telling God the other day, I said, Lord, I said, I've done everything I know to do. There's got to be an act of your spirit. I've said, I've seen the time I didn't have a place to lay my head. I've seen the time I didn't have a vehicle. I've seen the time I preached, hitchhiked to preach. I've seen the time I didn't have money to buy food. I've seen them times serving God. I said, I've seen the times I had to get my vehicle at night and hunt a driveway. Out in the country somewhere and pull in, go to sleep in the seat of the truck or the back seat of the car. I said, I've seen them times. Seen the time where I went to church. They used to leave it open 24 hours a day for people to come in and pray. And I'd go in 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning and set my alarm for 4.30. And I'd pray and I'd go to sleep in front of the heater on the quilt and the blank because I didn't have nothing. I've seen them times. So blessings. I thank God for them. 
But they ain't, that ain't life. I know where life is. It's in relationship. It's in having peace. It's in having joy. Amen. Because in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. And we're fixing to get in His presence. His presence is fixing to get in us. And we're going to have the fullness of joy. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. It's glory unspeakable. It's joy unspeakable. And full of glory. And the half ain't been told. The half ain't been told. Well, some of the things we've experienced, we ain't, we ain't got half of it. We ain't seen half of it. Half of it ain't been revealed. Hallelujah. Because when you really get in His presence, you really get in His presence, there's a fullness of joy. That's what makes the fight worth it. Hallelujah. Glory. I'm at verse 3 in Romans 6. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Now I'm going to stop right there. The church has taken verse 3 and verse 4, and they've made it be water baptism. There ain't no water baptism that buries you in Christ. Y'all hear me? Water baptism don't baptize you in Christ. If it did, people that had been baptized could not easily leave their walk with God. The church has taken this right here and made it water baptism. It's not. It's baptism of the Holy Ghost. You look the word baptism up. It means fully submerged and immersed. You look the word endued up. It means to have it wrapped around to sink back in like a clothing and for it to totally wrap you up. You look the word baptized into Christ. It means the same thing as endued. So to be baptized into Christ, to be baptized into Him, there is a saturation, there is a submersion, there is an immersion, there is a wrapping around of the Spirit of Christ. And so many of us that have been baptized into Jesus Christ have been baptized into His Death. Y'all stay with me. We've done what? We've been baptized into His death. Okay. Let me find some definitions here. I just gave you buried with. Uh, if you want to look these up in your Strong's Concordance, New Testament 49 and 16 is buried with. It means the same thing as Philippians 3.10, which be made, it says being made conformable. The word being made conformable. Buried with means to be spiritually assimilated or to be spiritually joined with Christ. That's what buried with means. So when Paul says as many of you have been baptized into his death, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism. Then you are joined. You are assimilated with the Christ. 
I'm not talking about water baptism. Water baptism won't do this. Sister Pat got tickled at me last week when I said so many y'all been baptized so many times, y'all the name know the name of every tadpole in the bottom of the creek. But it hadn't changed, folks. That's my whole point. Baptism is necessary. Water baptism is part of salvation. When Jesus went down for John the baptizing, John looked at him and said, I don't need to baptize you. I haven't need you baptize me. Jesus said, go ahead and do it and suffer it to be so to fulfill all righteousness. Say, in other words, repentance and water baptism is necessary for your salvation. It's the necessary step. But the water baptism, all it is is a confession that God is washing away your sins and giving you a clean conscience. But the water don't do that. It takes the Spirit of Christ to give you a clean conscience. Water baptism is just an outward confession. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I believe in water baptism. I believe in the water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I believe in it. I practice it. I do it. I preach it. But what needs to be preached more is this baptism of the Holy Ghost or the baptism of His death which nobody has ever experienced. Not to be fully, not fully die. We ain't fully die. If you were fully buried with Him in the baptism of His death, your anger wouldn't be there so easily. That backbite, that jealousy, that envy, that strife, it wouldn't dwell in God's people. It just water baptism got it out of it. It's not. There's got to be a baptism of the Holy Ghost that's going to baptize us into His death. Am I making sense to you? It's got to kill this carnal man. And this is what Paul's talking about right here in, in Romans. Their fourth verse. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. That newness means a renewed life. If we have been buried, if you have been assimilated with him. Hold your scripture right there and let's go to Philippians 3. That put me too far over. I'm back over in Hebrews. And I'm just going to start at verse 10. Because this is what God has dealt with me about since 2006. That I may know Him. Or that I may come to an understanding of Him. And the power of His resurrection. Y'all see this? There was a power that came in Jesus at His resurrection that He didn't have when He walked this earth as a man. He was killed as a man. Corruptible. Mortal. But when He came out of the tomb, He was immortal and incorruptible. So something happened in that Two and a half days, his body laid that tomb. Something happened to his spirit, man. And when he was resurrected, all power in heaven and earth came to dwell in him. Colossians says that it pleased God that in him the fullness of the Godhead should dwell in him. It didn't dwell in him before. It dwelled in him after. 
Because there's times when he was the son walking this earth, they asked him questions. He said, look. He said, there's things that the son don't know. There's things the father hath not put in my power. I don't know the hour. I don't know the day. There's things I, the, the son don't know. But after his resurrection in Matthew 28, he stood and said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Why? The fullness of God come down in him. And he was God manifest fully in the flesh. He's still God manifest fully in the flesh. He lives. That man Christ Jesus is God manifest in the fullness. The fullness of the Godhead was bodily in that body of Christ. In that body that was Jesus. It's been transformed. It's been resurrected. It's been renewed. It's, been, it's come from corruption to incorruption. From mortal to immortality. Are y'all with me? Don't, I ain't trying to confuse you. And then he said, let this mind that's in Christ Jesus, let it be also in you. Let it be also in you. But Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. That means that resurrected power that happened at his resurrection, what he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He gave him power over all principality, all power in heaven, in earth, and in the pits of hell. He gave him power over everything. He took dominion over everything. Amen? He took dominion over everything at that time. All power in heaven and earth come to dwell right here bodily in Christ Jesus. It pleased God that the fullness of the Godhead would dwell, dwell in Him. Amen? It's in Colossians 1st chapter and it's in Colossians the 2nd chapter. I can't remember the verse. So there's a difference. Amen? In what He obtained. And what he obtained, we're going to obtain. Because we're heirs with God and joint or equal heirs with Christ. What he's become, we're going to become. Because that spirit of Christ is going to come take its abode in here. And then, you're going to have power over all power of the devil. Then you're going to have power over all enemies. Nothing shall by any means harm you. What Jesus told him in Luke 10, fixing the happen. It didn't happen to them in the book of Acts. They had a measure of it. But he was talking about what's fixing to happen to us. And he said, and I beheld Satan as lightning fall from him. You think Satan's got some power? You think Satan's got something going on? But he rose up against God and tried to exalt himself against God. And, he, and Jesus said, I was there. I beheld him as lightning. Boom. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> exalted himself against God like a bolt of lightning. Hit the pits of hell. <laughs> I saw him, Jesus said. I saw him. Like a bolt of lightning, he'd gone. <laughs> Just that quick. And he said, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. He said, as lightning shall shine forth out of the east into the west, he said, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be suddenly. Boom. He's going to take his abode right here. going to take his abode right here. And that's what God's trying to get us ready for is a baptism that we ain't never had that's going to totally put to death this carnal nature. Because as long as there, we're in a warfare. As long as it's there, we're in a battle. As long as it's there, we've got to fight this sorry rascal. <laughs> and most of what you fight ain't the devil. It's your stinking sorry. As Brother Michael Harris says in Fort Payne, it's your stinking thinking. <laughs> it's just that old carnal mind. And I told God one day, I said, look, you gave us this thing. 
He said, no, I didn't. <laughs> he said, I didn't create man like that. I said, well, then I'm caught in the middle. But you can have it back. I don't want it. I don't want this carnal mind. Amen. Is anybody with me? Don't want this. And look what Paul's saying right here. That I may know him. Philippians 3 and 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. When you hit that right there, people back up on you. Nobody won't suffer. Nobody wants to suffer for the cause of Christ. Amen. Let me tell you something. What I preach, I'll stand on it. God reveals something to me and He tells me to preach it. I'll preach it. I'll stand on it. And I don't care who says what. I won't back up. Because I know God spoke to me. I'll stand firm on the Word. If He calls me to suffer, I'll suffer, says Kathy. I don't care. I'll suffer. I'll bear the reproach. See, everybody talks about being a Christian and your name's supposed to be lifted up. You're supposed to be lifted up high in the sight of men. Paul said we are defamed. We are the off-scouring of the earth. And people say anything about us, we're ready to roll up our sleeves and fight. <laughs> but yet, when they persecuted Jesus in, in John the 8th chapter, and they got right down to business, he said, we be not born of fornication as you were. In other words, they said, you ain't nothing but a bastard. You conceived out of wedlock. You brought forth out of wedlock. We wasn't conceived fornication like you were. So see, he had to bear that reproach. Everywhere he turned, he had to bear reproach. Amen. He was being tempted. He was being tried. He was being mocked. He was being made fun of. His name was being cast out as evil. And buddy, somebody tells a little white lie on us and we were ready to quit church and fight. We need to find out what being assimilated to join with Christ really means. If you ain't willing to bear reproach, go find yourself another church. Go find another gospel. Because if you live by this gospel of the kingdom, you want this baptism that's going fixing to come and baptize you into Christ, you're going to bear some reproach. You're going to be defamed. You're going to be talked about. You're going to be lied on. Paul said, we're the all-scouring there. We're the scum. We're the worst there is. But, we got that inroad to the mystery of Christ. We got that inroad to the revelation that He's fixing to take His abode in us. Let Him talk about me. That man that's twisted in that wheelchair that's paraplegic, or that man that's a woman that was in Iraq or over there in one of them countries and an ID went off and blowed an arm or a leg or two legs. They don't care what's being said about me. If I speak the word of God and them limbs grow back on. The Bible said Jesus healed the maimed. He healed the maimed. And I had a dream one night. This was way back in the 80s. I think me and you were already married when I had that dream. But I was, I was somewhere on a foreign soil. Because all the people out there, they were dark-skinned people. I was under a tent. Looked like there's probably fifteen or twenty thousand under that tent, but I looked beyond that tent and your eye couldn't see the end of the people. The only thing I've ever seen close to it was when we were in India in ninety four. We had fourteen acres of people, as far as the eye could see. And they spilled over in the street and the police had to come out there and clear the streets. Traffic couldn't even get by. We had fourteen acres of people. 
I mean, just far as the eye could see. They were there to get the God. They were there to hear the gospel. But I saw it, and it was just far as the eye could see. Just people, nothing but people. And I wasn't preaching the revival. There was another minister there, and this lady come up the prayer route on crutches, come walking up there, and he said, "What's wrong?" She held that foot up, and right there at the ankle bone, it gone. Cut slap off. He took a chair, says Pat, and set it down there. And I was standing right there on the platform, and I got right up over his shoulder and leaned over him. I said, God's going to do this. I'm going to see this. <laughs> I'm going to see this. And He got down on one knee, and he took that old nub, and he put it right there. Right there. He got down just like this. And he took that nub and he put it right there. He took hold of it and he started praying the prayer of faith for it. Had it right, right up above the ankle started praying the prayer of faith for it. And before God, I'm telling you, it's like, y'all ever take these basketballs and footballs and you got these little air needles, you just blow them up with air, put air in the little hand pumps. Before God, I'm telling you, it looked like somebody stuck a little needle under her skin and started pumping air. <laughs> and that thing started swelling up just like a balloon I mean just blowing up and it got about as big as both my fists doubled up and I watched and a foot unfolded right on the end of that ankle and I was standing right there brother elder I saw it and I looked and I said oh my god I seen it and I still don't believe it but I saw it I saw God manifest that miracle I saw it and when that happened, then people that saw it, forget the prayer line, <laughs> they rushed the platform. I mean, 30, 40, 50,000 people, I don't know how many it was, but they rushed that platform to get that touch. And I woke up. But you know, the Bible said that they trod one upon another to touch Jesus. It was such a move of God and such miracles that they trod one upon another. I've seen them do it. I was in India back in, I think, first time I ever went in 91. And we got at a mainly Muslim town over there. And we had a, a big field, probably 40,000, 50,000. And I seen God open a blind boy's eyes one night. And then people rushed that platform. And the preacher got up on the table. He had a table about eight foot long with his Bible and everything. And he got up on the table. And we were standing around and steadying the table and the legs on the table collapsed. And we was holding the table up while he was preaching. And people run up there and he'd touch him, and God was working miracles just by the touch of his hands in the name of Jesus. Just by the touch of his hand, God was working miracles. And I've seen them people start climbing over one another. You ever go in these, like you go in an airport, you go in these restaurants and they got these roped off sections where you got to follow them? We had ropes for them to come through the prayer line. So they wouldn't just rush the platform. They tore the ropes down, got on the platform, and we probably had two or three hundred on the platform. And then the platform started rocking. I said, Oh, God. 
And we was standing there, just about four of us holding that table. And he'd shift one way and he'd go back like this. And he'd shift the other way and he'd go back like this. The platform would shift and we'd go back like this. And we're trying to keep him up preaching. But man, people was trodden one on another to get to him. And there was one town that the move of God got so great that they, the platform, eight, ten foot high, they started rushing the platform and broke down the prayer ramps. We couldn't get off the platform. They was crawling over one another to get up on the platform. Next thing we know, there was two or three hundred riot police out there beating them back with bamboo canes. Those fixing to tear the platform down. We ain't seen a move of God. We ain't seen a body. Mm. <laughs> oh, but it's on its way. I'm telling you, this thing ain't no long time off. Because we are going to be baptized into the baptism of his death and this carnal man going to die. And when he does, the Spirit of God ain't going to have no opposition. It's just going to flow like rivers of living waters. That's what Jesus said in John 7, 39. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. And he said this, and he spake of the Holy Ghost, which was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. But when he was glorified, that Spirit of Christ, him, and the Holy Ghost mix came back. And it's coming back in the fullness. It's coming back in the fullness. And if we can get ourselves to the place, it's going to just flow through us. Nothing stop it. Why? The car man going to be dead. See, y'all can't imagine one day not having a fight lust or desire or anger or upsetness or bitterness. Or... I'll take you outside and I'll take my salvation off. <laughs> We've all said it. We've all been tempted to do it. But the things God started telling me you leave him alone. I'll deal with it. Because vengeance is mine. You don't have to try to get even with your enemies. You don't have to get even. You, hear me? you don't have to try to right the wrongs. Hold your peace. What my wife saw last week, was it Wednesday, Thursday? I don't even remember when it was. She saw that angel of the Lord. That people come in the house of God to make trouble or contention. She saw that angel of the Lord just walk up to him and lean over him and wrap the wings around him. And the Lord spoke to her and said, snuff out a candle. He said, I'm going to snuff them out. He said, them that come in the house of God to cause contention, cause upsetness, that's going to fight against what being preached. He said, I'm fixing to snuff them out. And she said, the next thing she heard, I'll cause a mist of darkness to fall on. He said, Brother Better, that don't happen in the New Testament. Did with Paul that man withstood the gospel and Paul looked at him said, you child of the devil. Is that not what he told him? said, you child of the devil. He said, you're going to need somebody to lead you around. And that, about that time, a mist and the darkness fell on him. They had to lead him around his, by his hand. I don't, I, I, for what did it say, three months or just a space of time? I don't know how long it said. If, uh, if it said it's about three months. But they had to lead him around. And when that chief of that place saw what happened he readily turned to the Lord it put fear in his heart God fixing put fear in folks' heart they're going to know what to mess with and what not to mess with says Deborah you ever take that pickaxe handle off that wall and I guarantee you they're going to know who not to mess with because the Lord told me I saw that in the spirit I saw me anoint that axe handle and put it in Sister Deborah's hand. God said this is a sign to her that I'm spiritually fixing to set her house in order. 
I'm fixing to set things in order in her house, and there's a boldness fixing to come on her. But it's what needs to happen. There's a boldness that needs to get a hold of every one of us. God told me a long, long time ago, if you got somebody around you always vexing your spirit and upsetting you, you got to do one or two things. You either got to get totally victory over them, or you got to separate yourself from them, one or two. Because you're not going to serve God being in continual upsetness. Every time you go to the house of God or you get in prayer or you get in growth and something happens to you, the devil will fan the flames and they will vex you and aggravate you and pull you back down and rob you from what God's give you. That's why people can't go on and serve God. They take a step. It's like taking a step on the ladder or two steps. Next thing you know, somebody will knock the rungs out from under you back down to the bottom. The Lord told me it's just like trying to build a house. You get the foundation on, you get the floor on, you go over here and you nail a wall together and put it up, block it up, you go over here and put the other wall up, and while you're putting this wall up, somebody's tearing this thing down. She just keeps you tore down and upset all the time. He said, you either got to get total victory over it, or you got to separate yourself from it. Because you can't serve God in constant upsetness. You can't do it. Sometimes you just got to be quiet. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes you just got to hold your peace. And it is. Flesh wants vengeance. Flesh wants satisfaction. Flesh wants justice. And you will fuss at God. You hear what they said to me. And then you tell me I can't do nothing about it. God, if you just... Turn loose. No, if you turn you loose, you'd run your testimony. You'd run your testimony. See, when the devil starts fighting you, you got to change tactics. Got to change tactics. When I was a little boy, we lived in public housing for a little while. But mom and daddy has. Probably. There was alley between these houses. This old man used to come down through there in a horse-drawn wagon. He had fresh produce for sale. Coming a block away, he'd be hollering, "Market man!" It's back in the early sixties. He'd be called Market man, and then start. Singing out all the produce and stuff he had for sale. Well, he had a little old dog running along with him. Everywhere that, I mean, that wagon was his home. And every now and then, you know, he'd get out and he'd venture off. He got out a little too far one day. That old man heard him barking and yelping. He looked, he, he was running for his life as hard as he could go. He had about three big old dogs right on his tail. Said Pat, he run up on that wagon. They followed him up under there. Wrong move. That was his own turf. He beat the daylights out of every one of them dogs, and they come out yelping and yarping with their legs between their tails, running just as hard as they could run. Why? They got on his own turf. You don't fight the devil on his turf. You gonna fight him? Get him on yours. Get him on home field advantage. Why do you think all these teams want home field advantage? 
because they know what they're doing with home field advantage. He got them dogs on home field advantage and he put a whooping on them. You gonna fight the devil? Don't fight him on his turf. Don't fight him on his terms. Don't let him work you into a fight. Don't let him work you into a frenzy. Don't let him work you into anger, upsetness. You leave it alone till you can get it on your home turf. When you get it on your home turf, Lord stand up for you. But you get out there in your anger and upsetness and vexation, God ain't gonna fight for you. If you hold your peace, let the Lord fight your battles. He'll fight them. I'm telling you, he'll fight them. Hallelujah. You appreciate the Lord. I don't feel like, I just don't feel like I need to go any further. I feel like, and man, I got four pages of scriptures. <laughs> we just have to do it again. I started on it last Sunday, couldn't get into it. Let's just say we got the first base this time. <laughs> we'll come up with bat again. Amen. I appreciate this. I do. I feel like God has talked to us. Any of y'all feel like God's talked to you? Tried to help you? I had a, I, I was dealing with a man a couple of days ago, and, and I'd invite him to church to preach, and not here, but over in Alabama. He said, Brother Matter, he said, I'm not a fiery preacher like you are. I said, man, I ain't worried about the fire. I said, can you teach the Word and teach people how to live and how to walk with God? I said, that's what I'm interested in. We've had so many preachers get up and preach the fast. You couldn't understand nothing. Break the Word down where people can understand it. Because once you understand the Word and you have knowledge of the Word, you without excuse. You without excuse. You just hear somebody preaching so fast and you catch a word here and there and you're up there amen and shouting, hollering and praising God and you don't get nothing except a good feeling. And there ain't nothing wrong with good anointing preaching. I've done it myself years past. But I used to preach so fast I get tongue tied. <laughs> Go back and get some of my tapes from the 80s and 90s. But that word would roll fire and it just, it'd go. But, Lord told me years ago, he said, you slow down, start teaching my people. Start teaching people how to serve me, how to live for me. We didn't know how to live for him, says Kathy. Says Melissa, you need to know how to serve him. You need to know how to serve him. Because churches don't teach people how to serve God. They don't. I've had so many people over the years tell me, well, just believe God. And I just bite my tongue. Just, but how do I believe God? Well, you just believe. But how? Well, you just... See, they didn't teach me to get a prayer life. They didn't teach me to get a relationship with God. They didn't teach me to build something inside. When hard times come, i got something I can stand on because I'm in a relationship with Him. They didn't teach me that. You've known me since 99, says Susie. I've always taught people to pray. How to build on the Word. You come to my tent revivals, I'd come out at 6.30, get on the platform, go to prayer. And pray with the people in the hour before service ever started. And then I'd come back after church a lot of times, 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, and pray to 1.30, 2.30. Sometimes pray all night. Teaching people to pray. People used to stay with me and pray after service. 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, we'd be on the tent praying the Holy Ghost fall. I remember there was a man one night sitting there with me on the tent praying about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. The Spirit of God hit me, and I walked by him and just popped him like that. 
needed a backflip out of that chair over in the sawdust and rolled probably 20 or 30 feet. Laid there about 40 minutes, got up and said, oh my God. See, we had this, we had a greater move of God in the prayers we did in the preaching. And next thing you know, I had 15, 20 people staying hour, hour and a half, two hours after church to pray because they wanted something from God. Amen. I appreciate the Lord today. I believe God's talked to us. I believe God's talked to us. Let's ask God to hide this in our hearts. You know, David said, Lord, I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So let's ask God to hide this in our heart that we won't sin against him. Father, by your precious name, Jesus, which is the door into the sheepfold. Lord, I thank you for the way you've talked to us today. I thank you, God, for your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, your kindness, your understanding. God, that you understand man through your son Jesus. You understand that spirit of man. And through him, Lord, we have mercy and forgiveness. Help us, Lord, to take this word today and to hide it in our hearts that we sin not against you. But let it be, Lord, that we can present our bodies to you a living sacrifice. Present our bodies holy and acceptable unto you. That we can become living epistles. That you can move in and write your word in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits. And that we won't sin against you, Lord. Create in us, O oh Lord, a clean heart. And God, if our spirit ain't right, renew a right spirit in us. Let us walk up right before you with clean hands and a pure heart and a right spirit to what's right in your sight, Lord. That's all I want, Father. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, God, that not only the things that I say, but what I think, let it be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, for you are my strength and you are my redeemer. God, I feel such a working of your spirit. I feel such a wooing of the Holy Ghost. I feel such a drawing. Let it touch the hearts and lives of your people, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I appreciate this service. They just, I just feel something special. I feel a working of the Holy Ghost. I just feel a working of the Spirit of Christ. We've got to press to get the Christ in us because that is our hope of glory. It ain't going to take you, to, it, it ain't just, I mean, ask somebody that ain't said around this kind of word, ask them, what does Christ in you, the hope of glory, mean? Get the Holy Ghost and go to heaven. It's about what they're going to tell you. Get the Holy Ghost and go to heaven. But it's not, it's unveiling the mystery. It's unveiling the fact that the Christ the man and the God can take his abode in here and teach you how to live holy on this earth. Teach you how to live clean. That that mind that was in Christ Jesus can be also in you. That you can put on the Lord Jesus Christ and that make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. 
that you can do what needs to be done because he's in here. Paul said, I'm crucified to the world. The world's crucified to me. Amen. I'm crucified to the world. The world's crucified to me. That's what he said. I believe that's Philippians. He was put to death. He put himself, he let the Spirit of Christ come to death. He became assimilated with Christ in his death. Because if we're planted with him together in the likeness of his death, we're raised with him in the likeness. So Romans 6 and Philippians 3 say the same thing. If you sit down in parallel, it says the same thing. You know, I can preach 1 John 3 and verse 9. It says, He that is born of God doth not commit sin and cannot sin because his seed remaineth in him. And I can go right to Romans 6 and preach about being made in the likeness of his death, being raised in the newness of his life that the body of sin might be destroyed. It means the same thing. But you'll stir, stir them up with 1 John 3 and 9. But you can preach Romans 6 about the baptism and they'll amen you. They'll amen you. Amen? <laughs> they will. Because people doctrine and they don't want to accept the fact that they ain't going to sin. Because some people got to, well, I got to sin a little more or less every day. No, you don't. No, you don't. Why? I hope in the last hour, however long I've been preaching, y'all been in church, I hope nobody sinned. I hope. I hope, says Pat, nobody's sinned. So if you can go an hour without sinning, you can go two. If you can go two, you can go five. If you can go five, you can go a day. If you can go a day, you can go a day and a night. You don't have to sin. When John saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God taketh away the sin. Sin, not sins, sin. In other words, he was going to take away that nature of sin. Take away the sin of the world. I'm going to take it away. You don't have to live in this bondage. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Amen. Hallelujah. chains are gone I can't remember the rest of the words of that song it says my chains are gone there is power in the name of Jesus power in the name of Jesus amen to break every chain break every chain that means every chain every bondage every sickness every disease every yoke everything that wars against your mind every chain every yoke Jesus defeated it in the pits of hell he defeated it and he took the keys of hell and death away from Satan. Destroyed him. Bible says in Hebrews 2, he destroyed him that had power of death. Satan had power of spiritual death and Jesus went and destroyed him. Took the keys of hell and death. He's destroyed. 1 John 3 and 8 says, For he that sinneth is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, this very purpose, was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So if you're a believer and you believe what I'm preaching, Satan has no power over you. 
has no power whatsoever. But you've got to have that relationship with God too. You've got to take God at His word. You can't just take part of God's word. You've got to take it all. Hallelujah. Man, if I don't slow down, I'm fixing to get in part two. <laughs> fixing to preach all over again. But I believe there's people that's hungry for the reality of God's word and His will in their life. I want God's will. Amen. And I was talking to the Lord this morning and I told the Lord, I said, there's got to be change in me. I wasn't praying for y'all, I was praying for me. <laughs> I do spend time praying for y'all, says Pat. This morning I had to pray for me. I do, I, y'all don't know how much I do pray for you, but I had to pray for me this morning. I said, God, I've got to have a change. I've got to have something. I've got to have something in me. Because I'm going to tell you something. If the devil's fighting y'all, and I'm trying to lead y'all into this, he really set in on me. He has. Because there's people, and I know there's people, that if I went down, says Susie, they'd go down. I don't want people's confidence in my flesh. I, don't want, I want it in the spirit of Christ that lives in me. Paul said, you follow me as I follow Christ. Or you imitate me as I imitate Christ. If I imitate Christ in front of you, then you imitate me. Or you're going to become righteous. But it's not going to be you. It's going to be Him living through you. Your righteousness comes back to Christ living in you. You ain't got no righteousness. You're just a bunch of filthy rags. But if you let Him live in here and you follow His guidance and His teaching, you're going to live righteous. Amen. And things are going to become pure up here. They're going to become clean up here. They're going to become holy up here. You ain't going to wrestle that made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of God might dwell right here hallelujah I don't have to live under condemnation I don't have to and I ain't going to my chains are gone are your chains gone I've been set free Jesus has purchased me. <laughs> Amen. He's purchased me. Silver and gold didn't buy me. I've been bought with a price. I've been bought with the blood of the Lamb. Amen. My Lord and Savior, He purchased me. He saw something in me enough to purchase me. And I'm going to pay Him back. If I can pay Him back, I'm going to 
do everything I can all the days of my life to serve him. And I hope I can do something to inspire you to live for him. And to take up your cross daily and go after him. Amen. Hallelujah. My God, somebody give the Lord a praise. Just give him a good old praise. Now I'm going to go ahead and receive the offering. Please do everything you can to help us. Because about all we're doing right now is just paying the bills. But please help us. Because I'm going to tell you something, there's a blessing in it. There's a blessing in honoring God and obeying God. If you got something from missions, we got our mission jar here. And now they've got three people wanting us to help them with missions. Uh, well, two. So she lost and fixing to go to Ukraine. We're going to help her. I can't help folks like I used to yet. Because I'm not in Fort Payne anymore. I'm going to see. I'm going to be in Fort Payne Wednesday night. And I'm going to see what Brother Michael and them can do to help them. Helps this Sheila, but the man that interpreted for me in India when I was there in 06 and 07, uh, his wife died about two weeks ago, and I'm going to send him an offering to help him because he went blind about three years ago, and now his wife's dead. He got two kids, and he made his support by interpreting. He's a very good, speaks English fluently, very good interpreter. And it was so funny because I hadn't been in India since 94. And I was in the meeting where him and his wife met. They have arranged marriages over there. And he met her. I was there when they first put their eyes on each other. And they, they truly fell in love. And, but I got talking with Sister Angela Abraham because she's the one I go to India with. And I told her, I said, there's a man over there that used to interpret for me back in the 90s. I want y'all find him. She said, what's his name? I said, Ashok Varghese. She laughed and she laughed and she laughed. She said, do you know how many Varghese's there are in India? I said, I have no idea. She said, millions. She said, you'll never find him. I said, yeah, I will. I said, Lord told me to tell y'all find him. Find him. So before her brother Stanley was married, brother Stanley was still in India. He went to make a trip to go somewhere for the ministry. They had some kind of a protest, locked the city down in Cochin. And he had some relatives there and called them, went and stayed at their house that night, and Ashok Marquis was there. Out of millions of people, God answered that prayer. Out of millions of people. And Brother Stanley started talking to him. He said, yeah, I know Brother Matter. He said, I've interpreted for him many times. He said, man of miracles. He said, yeah. Took his picture, sent it to me. They said, is that him? I said, that's him. Don't you ever laugh at me again. <laughs> don't you ever laugh at me and don't you ever doubt my word again. When I tell you God put something in my spirit, you better get up and run with it. Because God put it in my spirit. Please honor the Lord. We will. We will. I've already got three or four people want me to come to Canada. People pulling on us, come back to India. So we'll be going. We'll be sending a mission. But it takes finances. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? It takes finances. It takes saving them dollars. It takes putting tithe and offering in the church. Because just the dollars ain't going to do it and you get a real missionary trip. Because I... 
Last time I was in India, 94 spent $10,000 to go over there, set up the crusades, pay for all the advertising, motel travel, plane tickets. Took $10,000. But I reached 30,000 people a night. You can't do that here. Not yet. Amen. So please honor the Lord. Got the pastor bucket over here. If you believe labor's worthy of his hire, got church bucket over here for you tithing offering. Stand. Let's come do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. I so appreciate this service. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, man. Love you, son. Bless you, young man. Appreciate you. I hadn't yet. I'm on, uh, I can't. I, I wanted to go last night, but and I can't go this coming weekend because we got the grandkids. But a couple weeks, I'm gonna go over and be with them in church on Saturday night. If they don't. Y'all pray for them. If you like, contact and contact them. Ask them where they're at. Just call them. Say, hey, we missing you. We love you. We can get you their number. I know I've got them, and I don't know if Sister Lisa's got them or not, but I got Sister Kathy and Brother Thomas's. So if you want them, I'll get them to you after service. But pray that we can come together. I want to see a unity. Lord already started dealing with me about singleness of heart with several of the churches up here, and I reached out to them. It's like nobody's responding. But somebody will because it's God's mind for people to come together. You've got to come to the unity of the faith. Amen. You've got to come in unity. Anybody else? Is everybody done with the feel like they should obey the Lord? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, take this offering, bless it, sanctify it. God, give us what we need to do what you've put us here to do. God, I ask for your blessings on this offering for those that obeyed you, those that's honored you. God, those, whether it's by faith, whether it's by the word, whatever they've done, Lord, let it be honored, let it be blessed. In Jesus' name, we ask it to be so, Lord. Amen. And I'll give you all a testimony. I was talking to some of the people for service. From time to time, I borrowed money to do things from individuals. I mean, I got a man that he's, back when I was on the evangelistic field, he'd He'd loan me five or ten thousand dollars if I needed it because I paid for over two hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment, vehicles, trailers, tents, and he trusts me. So we had a bill due the other day, seven hundred and fifty dollars. My wife met with the people to pay it. The man said, Write the check. Wrote the check, recorded it in the ledger where he keeps his balances, marked it paid for the checkup tore the check up $750 God knew we had it but it would strain us I mean it would strain us down to nothing and God knew we had other things we had to take care of man tore the check up says Susie that had to be God that had to be God and God spoke that prophecy said I'm going to start supplying your need y'all get this prophecy and read it my wife's got some copies of it read it I didn't read it four or five times this week and probably doesn't listen to it two or three times. Take these prophecies and Paul said, told Timothy, said, take the prophecies that's gone before when you're in war, good warfare. You can take these words and fight with them. You can fight with them. It gives you, it gives you ammunition. Amen. Hallelujah.
Appreciate the Lord. Brother Elder, how about dismissing force? God bless you. I love y'all. Y'all pray our strength and give us direction. I'm going to be in Fort Payne Wednesday night. Then I'm going to Jasper, Alabama to be with Brother Mark Walter. Good brother. And I was going there once a month before all this happened to me. And God changed us. I was going there once a month helping him try to get his church established. And I hadn't been there since probably October of last year or November. I don't even remember. But good, dedicated young man loves God. And he's caught a lot of flack for stepping up and opening a church that preaches the truth. His dad's a pastor. And he's caught a lot of flack from his family. But God's blessing him. He's doing good. See y'all. Name's Brother Mark. Just hold him up in prayer. We're going to be with him Thursday night. And then we'll be back up here with y'all Sunday. Looking forward to it. Love what God's doing up here. Amen. God bless you. Y'all pray for us. Go ahead, Brother Elder.